why do you only work with a maximum of four property buyers at any given time? I think having four clients at, at any one time in, enables us to just deliver that high quality and build that rapport, build that relationship with the with the client. We we don't want to be the next Ray White of buyers agents. We want to be boutique, um, selective, and really enjoy what we do. Um, and that way, you know, falls at, falls our number, and it and it gives us um, the ability to deep dive into everyone and every property that we analyze. Welcome to Get Invested on the Property Hub podcast channel, the leading weekly show to help you unlock your full self, health and wealth potential. I'm your host, Bushy Martin, and each week I go deep with the best investors, experts, leaders and founders to find out what it takes to break free from the grind, discover freedom and live by design. Subscribe now and join me and get invested in the life you really want. Let's get started. Hi, Freedom Fighters. Do you prefer to DIY your property purchases yourself or outsource it and get a buyer's agent to help you? And while we're talking about it, what are your thoughts on buyer's agents? Because there's no doubt they've certainly copped a fair bit of flack in property circles in recent times. But like anything, there's good, bad and ugly in every profession. And unfortunately, it's generally the bad and poor performers who tend to tarnish everyone with the same brush. Yes, it's fair to say that there's low barriers to entry to become a buyer's agent, which is common in any relatively new and emerging profession. It's a bit like the early days uh, in finance breaking about 20 years ago when you could call yourself a broker by just filling in a coupon on the back of a cornflakes packet. So in a similar sense, you could be a panel beater yesterday and a buyer's agent today. And yes, the business model for the buyer's agent industry is somewhat flawed as many buyer's agents charge a percentage of the purchase price which means there's no real incentive to negotiate the best possible price for you. And because buyers agents generally don't get paid the majority of their fees until you settle on a property, there's underlying subtle pressure to purchase a property sooner rather than later, rather than waiting for the best possible property to suit your particular needs to come along. There's also a lot of untested smoke and mirrors around buyers agents being able to offer exclusive, or what they call exclusive, off-market or silently listed properties. But in my experience, there's a number of high-profile and high-volume buyers agencies who approach lazy selling agents to offload properties quickly in order for them to avoid the costs and delays of advertising, which means that many unsuspecting buyers are pressured to quickly buy properties that are not price-tested or benchmarked. I've seen a lot of buyers agents that talk a great compelling story but the properties they pressure buyers to purchase simply don't walk the talk. But I also caution you not to make the mistake of tarring all buyers agents with the same brush, because there are also some very good buyers agents who can seriously turbocharge both the process and the performance of securing and growing your property portfolio. It's about choosing the right horse for the right course based on your specific situation and circumstance. Because the decision to DIY your property investment purchases versus engaging a buyer's agent to assist you should be driven by consideration of your personal property knowledge and ex expertise, the time that you've got available, and what you're trying to achieve. And this needs to align with the proven performance and expertise of the buyer's agents in the type of properties and locations that you're looking to secure your properties. So don't make the mistake like I did when I started out of going it alone and trying to reinvent the wheel and do it all yourself just because you don't trust anyone, because you simply don't know what you don't know, and you can be making very costly mistakes that you don't even know that you're making until it's way too late. Combine this with the considerable time it takes to research, find, negotiate, and secure the best possible performing property across the country when you're trying to do it on a part-time, after-hours basis on top of your busy and job and your family commitments, and you're setting yourself up to fail at worst or seriously underperform at best. So don't throw the buyer's agent baby out with the bathwater, particularly in the early stages of your property journey. A great buyer's agent can be worth their absolute weight in gold if you know how to select the right one. So if you want some assistance in knowing what to ask a buyer's agent in order to help you to decide whether they're in the right fit for you, feel free to email us at hello, that's H-E-L-L-O, at knowhowproperty.com.au, and our know-how team will email you the detailed list of 37 in-depth questions that we grill prospective buyers agents on in order to separate the sheep from the goats 
and to help you decide whether they're the best possible fit. And if you need an extra set of experienced eyes, ears, arms and legs to keep eyes agents honest and to vet what they're suggesting in order to ensure that what they're offering is truly in your best interests, reach out to our independent know-how property facilitation team who become your John West of property. Because just like the old John West tuner ad, it's the properties that we reject that make sure that you get the best. Because for me, good buyers agents are proven investors with years of experience in their own right who not only know what, where, and how to secure the best property to satisfy your specific strategy, but they need to take the time to educate you throughout the entire end-to-end process so that your knowledge, clarity, and comfort grows in parallel with your property portfolio. Which all brings us back to today's special guests, Lisa and Brian Happ, for the concluding second part of our great conversation. In the last episode, Lisa and Brian unpacked the details of their own extensive and diverse property journey. So if you haven't had a chance to listen to this yet, make sure you do, because there's an absolute wealth of wisdom and learnings from what they've already shared. And in today's episode, we're going to deep dive into the world of buyers agents, given that on the strength of their significant property experience and accumulated expertise, they've just recently launched their personalized property professionals buyers agents business to help you achieve superior results. So welcome back to Get Invested, Lisa and Brian. Thanks, Bushy. Thanks, Bushy. I'm really looking forward to part two. I I really enjoyed uh, the deep dive on your own portfolio. But to sort of set the scene on all of this, particularly around the buyer's agents piece, guys, uh, what what are your thoughts on the biggest mistakes that property investors make? I think Bushy's starting with a plan. If they don't have a plan and don't know the end goal, you're starting a journey, but you don't know your destination. You know, using your analogy that I, uh, I've i borrowed many a time, the, the GPS, um, but also sitting there going, I still like to have a have a uh, physical map as well. So the GPS gives you the directions, but uh, the map gets you uh, gives you an opportunity to have a look around um, and see what might be just, just down a side road that uh, the GPS won't tell you about. So... In terms of, of, of mistakes, they're many of the ones that we made. Um, buying with your heart, first of all, and, and listening to, to peers and, you know, cousins, brothers, sisters, cousins, aunts at a barbecue or the water cooler at work and those sorts of things and thinking they're doing it, I have to, or that one size fits all. Um, too many people buy one property and get stuck because they've bought the wrong property. They don't know how to move forward. It's... Um, it's not all beer and skittles in the end. Um, yeah, I think it's 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 a trap. It's it's a well uh, worn path for those that are successful, but it's also a um, it's sort of full of of people that have made one one move and and the wrong move, and they're sold in five years' time and going no, never again. Yeah, spot on. Uh, any extra thoughts around mistakes that you see property investors making, Lisa? No, I think that kind of covers the most of it. I think the one thing is is that um, someone tells them that they have to buy quickly because the market's going to be like go up no matter what. So they, they jump in with two feet without actually having that knowledge, education or know-how on, on where to do that. It's like, oh, I've just got to buy something and they buy the wrong property, which then sticks them. In other words, they get stuck and they can't move on or can't do anything, and it wasn't the right property for their strategy or for where they're needing to go. Yeah, well said. So in the in the context of your own experience and what, what you're now doing, what are your thoughts on whether investors should DIY their property selection and purchase process or engage, engage a buyer's agent? Yeah, look, I think there's there's different options out there that are all valid. Um, If you have the education, if you have the time, if you have the willingness um, and you know what you're doing, then doing it yourself, um, definitely. I think it's the right thing for you to do, et cetera, like that. Um, If you are time poor, if you aren't sure what you're doing, then this is one of the biggest investments that you're going to be making in your life. And if it's the wrong one, 
you could be really upside down with your whole investment portfolio. So, you know, that's when you need to find someone or get educated, etc. like that. I'm not saying you have to go and get a buyer's agent. Maybe go and get education if you've got that time and you've got two or three years to pay for that education and to get that as well. So it's really important to have a look at what your backgrounds and skills are where you're trying to go as well um, and finding either the knowledge or education or the willingness to do it yourself. So, you know, if you have the time and confidence, that's great. You know, we've bought quite a few without a buyer's agent ourselves, but when we were in our early stage, we did use a buyer's agent and we learnt from that experience on what not to do and what should be done as well. So, you know, we've been there, done that in both ways. Um, and that's one of the things that we want to do is, is try and bring in that knowledge to people on how we would have preferred to have been uh, educated or treated along the way, which is what we're trying to do with our own business. But, yeah, so there's no wrong or right yes or no um, on, on whether to do it yourself or not. It depends totally on your background and your experience and what you've done previously and who you have helping around you as well. Yeah, very good thoughts. Um, there's a, an increasing number of these one-stop shop uh, type groups starting to emerge in the property industry. Uh, what are your collective thoughts about those? I see red flags um, with a one-stop shop, Bushy. It's, it's, in our opinion, these are something, something that um, everyone should avoid. Um, Whilst it might be convenient and they promise you the promise you the world served on a platter, um, there is a conflict of interest. Um, whose interests are they looking after? It's possibly not yours. Probably not yours. It's they're working for a single company, and you get moved from you know the buyer's agent to the solicitor to the accountant to the conveyancer and back to the financial advisor. Um, they're all on the same payroll and. The ability to be independent, if, if we've got a team that, that's working with one of our clients, I don't want the whole team agreeing with everything. It's absolutely um, against the customer's interest. If we're working with a, with a customer and the financial advisor or, or their accountant challenges something, we need to either be able to justify what we're doing, putting that perspective through. The accountant, the advisor, who is more than welcome to put their challenge on there and challenge us. And it ultimately comes down to the client's decision. Um, with what we're presenting and their and their accountant or one of their other people in the team don't think it's a good deal, that's okay. Um, it's, you know, it is a team around people and make if, if they're all independent, they're not on the same payroll, they're going to be giving you the advice that you want. Um, you know, that challenging is an integral part of the asset desk and the risk management of, of a purchasing process. Yeah, beautifully said. I 100% agree, Brian. I think uh, I think robust discussions on subjects around property are very healthy because it enables the ultimate investor who's, who's paying the bill to look at the pros and cons of various arguments and then, then decide on what's right for them versus, as you say, yeah, everyone feathering each other's nest. Uh, there are no checks and balances in that exercise, the, the, it's, and therefore there's the risk that you're not going to be uh, following a road that's that's ultimately going to get you where you need to get. Now, beautifully said, uh, let, let's turn specifically to buyer's agents now. Uh, I'd love your thoughts, given uh, both your personal experiences with and without them, uh, on whether you know, your thoughts on the, the good, bad and ugly of buyers agents. What, what are your thoughts? Yeah, look, I think there's some absolutely brilliant buyers agents out there and they're doing such a good job for the clients and that is their focus is making sure that they get a client and then find the property for them. Um, but then again, you've got the, the total opposite um, who aren't wanting to understand the full situation of person, the strategy, the goal, etc. that all they're trying to do is get the money. In other words, all they're wanting to do is get people off their books as quickly as possible. Um, they do a slick marketing campaign to bring a lot of clients in, but they don't have the knowledge and skill how on how to find the property for the clients. So they're basically just going whatever matches, 
that's all it is, and off you go, um, which you know, isn't the right thing for the client. You know? And the same thing with you know, if they've got to make targets or meet deadlines, et cetera, and that kind of thing. It's just like how can we do this as quickly as we can? Like making that to agents, just throw whatever property at me and, and we'll, we'll get it done. Um, I was just travelling in, in North Queensland, you know, this week and I was speaking to a agent in Townsville and apparently there's a buyer's agent up there who they won't work with anymore because they're basically putting properties under contract and what's happening then is then they're going searching for, for a client to meet that contract instead of the other way around with having an actual person and then finding the right property for that person. So they're, they're absolutely, they're mucking up the, the real estate agents, they're mucking up the process, they're putting buyer's agents under bad names as well, and they're not doing the right thing by any client at all. So, you know, that's some of the goods and the bad of, of that kind of thing. Um, you know, the sales techniques techniques of what people use where it's just like, okay, well, we'll do a gimmick, we'll do this to get you in. Um, you know, we've got under market value deals, um, you know, come to us because we'll find all off markets, et cetera, like that. Um, you know, instant equity or, you know, those kind of things. I think the gimmicky kind of side of the sales part of it um, isn't the kind of right thing. So that's some of the good and bad and ugly of the buyer's agent and what I've seen personally, um, where it's not client focused, it's all about money focused at the end. Um, you know, there's some that I've heard who are, have become, when got their real estate license, become buyer's agents, but have never bought a property themselves. So it's also like, how how is that possible for our industry moving forward to have somebody who's then buying this high-end property or um, for somebody who's their life investment? It's just not the the done thing or what should happen, I suppose, moving forward. And it does put, you know, the, the buyer's agents who are doing the right thing, who have gone and, you know, got educated, done the buyer's agent, you know, course, et cetera, like that, and are doing education constantly and who are networking also with the real estate agents to make sure that we come out with a win-win situation. They're the people that you want as a buyer's agent who, who work both sides and just make sure that everyone is honest you're working with for your clients a hundred percent yeah beautifully said uh, you've touched on some of this already then but uh, uh, collectively between the purview what what do you believe differentiates a great buyer's agent from the rest i think it, it's sitting there going it's about care um it's about investment it's about getting to know your client getting to understand them building that relationship not a quick sale in, in all honesty, sitting there really understanding and knowing that um, we're buying for, for Jim and Betty and, hey, look at this one. No, nah, it's, it's not going to meet their criteria for this because you know them well enough. Um, a great buyer's agent is consistently there on back and call almost each step of the way, communicating with the client, getting the best results. Um presenting a property to them and going, okay, we're not recommending you buying this one, but what is it that you do like about it? What is it that you don't like about it so that we can better build the brief, really understand what it is that they're liking and understanding, particularly when you're dealing with a with a couple, um, that you're going to have different needs. So it's not that easy to meet both parties' needs all the way through. Um, not every property, not every client's going to get a 10 out of 10 match. But what we're aiming for is, you know, an eight or a nine um, so that it is the right property for them. Not everything's going to come wrapped up in a bow, um, but it's sitting there finding that right one, understanding them well enough about what to present, but also having a, a dialogue with them, really sort of building that rapport so that you actually know what they want. Brilliantly said, mate. It's uh, it's the listening part that uh, is often missing from that exercise. So, uh, sort of transforming then. Uh, if someone is listening to this and going, well, yeah, I'm not sure whether I'm going to do it myself or or I'm I'm going to engage a buyer's agent. What do you think are the keys to selecting a great buyer's agent? I think um, you have to be comfortable that they can deliver what is right for you. Um, 
you need to also see have they done or are doing what you want to achieve. So, you know, and, and can they prove it? So if your end goal is X, Y, Z, you know, have they actually done that before to be able to have been through those steps so that they can make sure that, you know, they don't make the mistakes or, you know, for you as, you know, moving forward. So they have that extra knowledge and experience within the industry um, and within the property to know what is right and what is not. Um, also, don't just choose an agent just on cost alone. Um, you need to make sure it's the right agent for you. Otherwise, whatever you spend, is it could be worth zero anyway because you haven't achieved what you wanted to achieve out of it. So cost shouldn't be a figure. You should be putting that cost into one, what they are going to save you on the end to make sure they buy the right property for you at the right time. Otherwise, if you have to sell it and buy another one, there goes that cost anyway. Um, and also making sure that you learn along the way. So someone who is just going to put you on the books, um, move you through the system and out the other end, what have you achieved? So, you know, looking for what you are wanting to get out of that buyer's agent along the way as well. Um, and ensure the BA is not just, or the buyer's agent isn't just agreeing with everything that you say. So they should be able to actually challenge a few things. And so you can actually have that robust conversation conversation to make sure you're going to get the best out of your money so that you know that you know that you can come back and and, and ask questions and that kind of thing and, and develop that rapport so that you do get the most out of the money that you're going to do that they also explain the process along the way so you are getting that bit of education um, as well so you know maybe you might only want once but you know, if you're time poor, then, you know, you might not want to go down that, that option, but, you know, you, you have that opportunity to do that and to learn as you're going along because it'll only help you in your next purchase or, you know, finding where you go next, I suppose, in that sense. Love it. Love it. Extremely well said, Lisa. Uh, a great segue then into you know, why have you both decided to start uh, personalised property professionals and, and what do you think sets you apart from other buyers' agencies in the space? I'll probably I can I can keep going on talking on this. Um, <laughs> we started PPP as we you know finished our own property journey. Um, so we've been on a long journey as from the last um, podcast that we've had, and we're wanting to give that education back to people. Um, so we're wanting to help people through their journey to meeting their goals through property as well. So that's where it all started off and I absolutely love buying property and researching and finding those hidden gems, you know, as we would have heard. So, um, you know, I was a bit like, oh, what am I going to do now? So it was a bit like a, an opportunity, I suppose, to bring a passion into my own work or into the business as well. Um, so Brian loves the numbers game. He's, you know, and we work great as a team with those two differences. Um, we challenge each other, like we mentioned. Like we'll, you know, we're competitive. We we like to to find the best out of ed anything we do. So, you know, I think one of the things was that, um, you know, we're not salespeople. We won't pitch to someone. We're not going to show gimmicky kind of aspects. Um, we're just down to earth, um, mum and dad kind of investors who want to give back to the community and want people to actually help them through their journey um, and be honest with people as well. Um, I mean, one of my sayings is, would I buy this property for myself in this situation? And if the answer is no, then I won't look at it for a client either, okay? So it has to be a property that I think um, or that we think is going to do better for them or good for them as they move through. So not just finding, you know, having a whole list of properties and going, yep, this one, this is this is for you, this is for you. It's more going, what is your circumstances? Does this meet your circumstances and moving forward? So really being situational with what we're doing um, to to provide that best service we possibly can for our clients. Yeah, I absolutely love it. I, I think, you know, given what you shared with us on the previous episode, uh, given the portfolio that you've uh, both uh, very well built, and the income flows that are coming from it, I'm, I'm guessing here, but I'm assuming that uh, as opposed to a lot of buyers agents who uh, 
live and breathe on the income they get from their buyer's agency. And therefore, there is that subtle pressure to do things quickly and move things through the system. Uh, you're doing it because you want to, not because you have to. And there's a, there's a massive difference in the approach that flows out of that. And I guess what that flows into for me is that something that I like when I was, you know, sort of Google stalking you uh, in preparation for the episode. And something I wanted to ask you is uh, why do you only work with a maximum of four property buyers at any given time? Yeah, I think you're right, Bushy. We we could choose to to not work tomorrow, um, and we would be, you know, um, like I said before, I'm not sitting by a pool drinking pina coladas. <laughs> I'd I'd go nuts. And um, I think having four clients at, at any one time en- enables us to just deliver that high quality and build that rapport, build that relationship with the with the client. Um, a little bit like you, we're, we're both perfectionists. Um, we both compete to a very high level um, with each other within, you know, everything that we do. And to be able to deliver that level of service, you can't do it to, to, to a large number of people. We've worked out that going through and in the various phases in the, in the property buying journey, um, you know, four is our capacity to be able to do it to the level that we expect. Um, if that means we have a wait list, that's okay. And if people don't want to do that, that's okay as well. Um, not every client's going to want to work with us. We're not going to want to work with every client. We're not going to take someone on as a client because we need to, because we don't. Um, it's really simple about focusing on the on the numbers that, are going to work for this person what is their goal what is the next step it's like playing chess if we make this move what what's going to happen in two moves time um having what if scenarios um giving them choice um giving them the ability to contemplate ponder um and be along the the, the emotional ride with them as well we get a buzz buying property um we love the excitement um we love the uh opportunity to to turn around and take rejection and go great thanks for that gift how can we do this better what is it that you didn't like how do we you know meet your criteria better um yeah so we we don't want to be the next ray white of buyers agents we want to be boutique um selective and really enjoy what we do um and that way you know, falls at falls our number and it and it gives us um the ability to deep dive into everyone and every property that we analyze. Uh, I love it, guys. I yeah, it's such it's a refreshing approach because the 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 unfortunate thing for unwary and, and potentially first time investors is that uh, if they've hooked up with uh, the wrong buyer's agent, uh, the issues with that property generally don't evidence for five five or more years, so they're long gone by the time the, the issues actually start to emerge. So uh, I love the fact that you're focusing on the quality of, of the experience and the, and the results. Uh, but in that context then, uh, and I think it's, it, you know, everyone needs to be fussy when they're deciding to work with each other because it's not dissimilar to a marriage given the length of time you need to hold on to property. What, what is the profile of the types of property buyers and investors who are and aren't the best fit to work with you? Yeah, so um, our avatar is basically like a, um, between 30 to 40 or 35 to 45, so that kind of um, age group. Um, couple, generally with two kids, a dog, etc. Like that's just our avatar, I suppose, in the sense of that. Um, but somebody who is has either um, zero or one property and they're looking at an investment portfolio. So someone who is looking to actually do a portfolio so that we can sit down and, and work strategically through what we can help them with and how we can get them to that exit strategy um, along the way. So, you know, generally it could be um, a tradesperson um, along that kind of line, but someone, it, it doesn't have to be that, but that's kind of just like 
our overall kind of age group and thinking. So someone who was like us moving through, who we can then help them through that, that rest of that journey. So someone who will also speak honest with us about their goals. So we want somebody who we can actually work through that GPS system um, as we reach their goal for them um, or with them. Um, someone who's willing to work through the options and communicate with us along the way as well. So we need to be able to develop that rapport both ways. So trust is developed through that process so that we can help them. Our idea is that we will um, be word of mouth basically, so we know, and it will be repeat customers potentially, um, and that will help them through a number of different property um, acquisitions as they, they move through to their goal. So someone who wouldn't fit with PPP is someone who doesn't align with our values or has unreasonable goals or expectations as well on what is it possible and what can be achieved. So, you know, if someone says, you know, I want to buy a property for $200,000 um, and I want to get it six hundred dollars per week, you know, it's like, well, what is achievable, what isn't? Um, those kind of things are things that we would look at um, during that discovery kind of aspect to make sure that we do a meet and that we do have the same values moving forward on what we're trying to achieve as well. I love it. Absolutely love it. Well, that's a, a great segue into getting you to sort of talk us through a little bit of your approach to the, the process overall. Uh, and I particularly would sort of want to get your thoughts on this balance between, because uh, what, what I've seen is there are buyers agents who focus very heavily on the uh, desktop data. And at the other end of the spectrum, there's those buyers agents who really intimately know the ins and outs of a particular location because that's where they live, work and breathe. Uh, how do you sort of balance those two uh, when it comes to area and property selection in the context of your overall process and the due diligence that you apply to that? I think we we sit nicely in the middle, um, as we said before. Queen uh, Lisa's literally uh, with the caravan car in Queensland, um, doing a deep dive in, into multiple place, places. Um, her days are full at the moment, uh, looking at properties, meeting agents, doing things like going to the police station, talking about good areas, bad areas, those sorts of things. Um, Data is is probably in, in my field, and um, I crunch the numbers and, and look through and keep abreast of things as as we go through. I think you actually do need a balance of both. Um, pure data, um, sight unseen. I know some people advocate for for that strongly. Um, that doesn't sit well with us. Um, it is about understanding areas. It is understanding, identifying what the growth drivers are in that area. Um, and what's going to help move things through. Lisa does a lot of uh, analysis on comparative sales, not what's for sale, but what's sold in the last three months, six months. How How is it better? Um, you know, what's the quality of the property coming up with, with the numbers around the um, what we think this one is worth and what should be offered? Um, Lisa is definitely the negotiator in our family. Um, there is no, uh, I don't get a, a, a chime in on that one. Um, but yeah, it, it's a combination of data and boots on the ground and also sitting there going relationship. If a, if a buyer's agent's been buying in a investment hotspot hot for the last seven years, um, guess what? <laughs> it's certainly not a hotspot. So there is a balance. There is a blend. Um we do believe in the data um, and what the drivers are, but we also believe in, in getting boots on the ground, having a look and uh, and doing the due diligence up front before we go into an area with, with customers. I love it. I love that balance between the desktop stuff that you're doing, Brian, and, and the fact that you're actually on the ground talking to, to the right people to get the right answer and what's really likely to happen in that context. So, uh, you, you mentioned negotiation, Brian, and that, that it's in your sphere, Lisa. Because, uh, uh, again, in my own experience, uh, you know, I've seen buyers agents who, when it comes comes to the hard part, and that's negotiating uh, to look after their, their clients, it's often found a little bit wanting. What's what's the essence of, of your approach uh, to negotiation? I think mainly it's it's finding out exactly what the the property is worth, which is where I come in to do analysis of the property to go, okay, well, this property is worth up to here. So straight away, I've got a bit of an idea on what's happening with the market, 
what figure should be around where it is to see whether that's where the property is actually sitting at. It's also talking truthfully to the, the real estate agent, knowing their games as well, knowing you know what they're saying is not what we're, you know, I'm not hearing what they're actually saying a lot of the times because they're saying different things which mean, you know, different things. Um, but it's also then building that rapport because you do find those little hidden things that they'll say to you to know whether it really has got four offers on the table already or uh, whatever it is. So you get to learn that aspect of it, which allows you to come in. Like you, you don't be, you try and make it so it's still a win-win. Okay, the real estate agent wants to sell it and you want to buy it. You want to buy it for the, the, the lowest price that is reasonable though as well. So you don't want to, you know, come in with a low-ball offer, which then just blows the real estate agent apart and goes, well, I'm not dealing with this buyer's agent because they're just going to, you know, they're just trying to low-ball me all the time and it's just, you know, it's a waste of time. So it's also having that respect for the real estate agents but understanding their talk enough to be able to come in at a reasonable price um, but knowing that through your analysis and through your talking to them exactly what details you'd be able to find out Finding out things like if the um, if they need to sell urgently because of another circumstance, you know, so that you can actually put different criteria around it um, on on your offer when you're putting it in, so you can make your offer the best possible offer you can as you're moving forward. So whether that's you know no conditions, so in other words, we've got to do our BMP beforehand, so we've got to come in unconditional, or whether it means actually they want a long settlement knowing those kind of things so you can put your offer in to suit what the agent and the actual um, vendor is wanting. Yeah, beautifully said. Uh, flipping, flipping back to the, the client investor side then for a minute, uh, and it, this is probably not likely to occur much given you're sort of managing a maximum of, of four clients at the same time, but if you had two investors who had exactly the same brief looking for the same sort of property in the same sort of location, what would your approach be to handling the competing and overlapping briefs in terms of who got off of what and, and not in that context? Yes, I think, you know, with that, you have to be honest with your client. So, you know, you'd inform the second person that's coming through that um, you've already got someone signed up who has got that, that exact same brief. Um, if you think it's possible that you can find two of them within that timely manner. But it's just it's just being honest. It's actually just being upfront with them, explaining to them that you've got another client who does meet that brief, you know, can we sit down and talk or do you need, if you need to go elsewhere, that's totally understandable. It's not an issue. Um, so if we can't, you know, I, I feel whoever's first in because you've already developed that rapport, you've already started the process and they're, they're with you. So it's the second person that comes in, you have to, to explain that. Um, that would be my, yeah, my criteria. I love it. No, you summed it up beautifully. Yeah, uh, let's take the exercise where you, you have been looking for a property for a client for a period. What happens if you can't source or secure a high quality property to satisfy their brief in a in a reasonable time frame yeah time frames are an interesting one bushy one thing we won't do is promise time frames i know some bas do right. um we certainly won't and it, it's sitting there going when we when we work through the brief it's something we agree both as us as the buyer's agent going yes we believe we can find you uh what you're looking for um markets can shift very rapidly um, and it's about that open communication, um, going back to the client, going, look, we are struggling finding this. It might have existed when we first engaged. Going through our process, we haven't got it. What would you like to do? These are some of your options. Here are some alternatives that are similar to the brief. It might be the same brief in a different location um, that still meets your strategy. Yeah. Um, we can't promise to find a property that, that doesn't exist. Um, it's sitting there going, are you going to get our honest, absolute best effort? Of course you will. Can we promise something? No. Yeah, I love it. And not putting a time on it uh, is refreshing in itself because, uh, as I've mentioned in the intro, there's a lot of buyers agents who are they're like massage machines. They're just punching them through because they need to keep the, the uh, transaction levels going. 
uh, what I'm liking about what you're saying is if you can't find the the, the best fit, then you'll keep looking or, or or go back to the client and change the brief. Awesome. Uh, I want to jump now into uh, what everyone asks every buyer's agent in the in the exercise, and and that's to get your views on uh, where property conditions are in the, in the medium term and where and what do you think at the moment are the best investment opportunities for both growth investors and cash flow investors at the current time? Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll take this one on. And as we said, Lisa's boots on the ground in, in Queensland at the moment. Um, I think that there is a real opportunity for both cash flow and capital growth in, in the areas that we've been looking at. Um, it's affordable, um, which is one of the price drivers. And, and if you look across the the, um, the country, there's there's markets within markets. You know, anyone with any education knows that. It's identifying what you're looking for for a reasonable increase in value in the shortest amount of time. If you hear, heard about a hotspot on the radio, it's too late. Um, if you look at Bundy as an example, we got in there. And we're rapt to hear it sort of being mentioned uh, not long after we were we were in there. Um, so I think in the in that regional Queensland in in selected areas and selected suburbs and streets within those areas, which Lisa's doing at the moment, uh, there are some real good buying. Um, I think if we look at terms of, of capital growth without such a strong yield, there are pockets within Melbourne at the moment that are absolutely on sale. Um, Victoria's on the nose currently with with some of the political decisions that we're going through. Um, During COVID, uh, Melbourne didn't get the boom um, that uh, some of the other areas did. We had the sort of reset a little bit harder in in Melbourne uh, than other areas. There are signs of of spring shoots coming out. Um, And I absolutely believe if you look at the the long-term data, uh, Melbourne or pockets within Melbourne are on sale right now and there is, they're prime for, for capital growth. Um, you need to be very careful of your asset selection, your asset class, your location. Um, you know, the immigration story speaks to, you know, we've got 400,000 immigrants coming in, they're going Melbourne and Sydney, the rental pressures, those sorts of things. Um, yeah, there's there's real opportunities there for for medium-term sustained growth at, at, you know, potentially double digits uh, for consecutive years in pockets of Melbourne. Yeah, very well summed up. Uh, and uh, I guess I uh, underline everything we're saying here by saying this is not a property or financial advice in any way, shape or form. Uh, these are reads of the situation because it all comes back to the specifics of someone's capacity, situation, strategy. But uh, it's always the question that buyers agents and people in the property game get asked. So uh, appreciate you sharing that, that Brian. Uh, for those that, that are really resonating with what you're talking about and they're thinking about getting into property as, as you know, zero, zero or one property, given that's the sort of ideal avatar uh, that you're looking to assist, uh, where do they need to start and what initial steps do they need to take? Yeah, so I think um, one of the main thing is try and work out their goals, their budget, et cetera, like that. Um, they could speak to you, Bushy, because I'm sure that you'd be able to also assist them with um, with moving forward and finding a good mortgage broker um, to see what they need to do to also find their first purchase. Um, I'd go into like then into a strategy session. So actually working out what their goals are, what they need to do to to move forward. Um, that would be the first thing. If they've got that time and they're wanting to do it themselves, then you know they might have two years that they go, okay, well we have to put some money into education, or how can we get educated to do it ourselves, or do we then maybe look at a buyer's agent moving forward as well to help you through that t- that aspect if you don't have the time or the knowledge or the skill and just want to get it done. So I think there's a few different things, but you really need to start off with what your goals are, what your budget is, um, what your lifestyle is going to be in the next couple of years moving forward to to start that process and find a good mortgage broker to actually find out what equity you've got and what your your yeah, your purchasing power is. Yeah, beautifully said. 
Okay, well, I'm going to transition now into uh, what I affectionately refer to as the ambush fast four, which is the old bushfire lightning round where I both give you cigarettes and blindfolds and, and hit you with uh, four quick questions. Uh, the first of those guys, and you can either both answer or, or, or otherwise, what's your favourite quote and why? You go with yours, Lee. <laughs> um, don't wait to buy real estate. Buy real estate and wait. I love that one. That's self-evident. What about you, Brian? Um, I like this one, which is think in decades and not years when you're talking property. Um, I think the, our PPOR and our Torquay one are just absolute standout examples of, of doing that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely spot on. Uh, the, the days of Get Rich Quick are well and truly gone. They'll never there, actually, and I, and I get continuously frustrated by these Spreakers who who talk about magic happening in in ten years might happen if you're lucky, but the, the longer you wait, the easier this gets. So beautifully said. Uh, what about the literary field, guys, uh, or the audio book field, which, whichever suits these days? Because a lot of people don't have the time or interest in reading. But what would be the the top book or audio book that you'd recommend we read and why? Oh, there you go. This one, Brian. This one's yours. <laughs> oh, definitely. Um, and I look. For full disclosure, I'm actually dyslexic, and podcasts, audio books have been um, an absolute wealth of knowledge and, and revelation for me. Um, and I tried to read this when it came out, and I failed. Um, but I've listened to it at least five times on on audio book now, um, and it's cliche. It, it's Rich Dad Poor Dean. It makes so much sense. Um, yes, it's got Americanisms and all those sorts of things, but the fundamentals behind it are just so solid in terms of investment and having your money work for you 24-7, 365. Um, yeah, it's each time I listen to it, I do get more out of it. Um, and I love talking about it to some degrees um, with other property enthusiasts and and pick it apart and yes it's a story it's not real we know that you know um but yeah to me i i think it's a very moving very powerful story 100 agree it was actually the book that started me in the the property game seriously uh to the point where i, I actually bought robert keith's game uh uh, cash flow game because uh, it, yep. it really brings that to life and and you're actually in the cut and thrust of making it happen. So absolute gold. Uh, here's, a, here's a tip, Bushy, for the listeners. That cash flow game is actually available online. You can uh, play it online. You randomly get paired with people from anywhere in the world or you can make up your own team and play it online. And we've done that with um, uh, some of our accountability groups or like-minded property people, and it is. It's great. Well, I didn't know that. I didn't know it. So I've still got the old old uh, uh, cardboard version, but it's it's still damn good. And and just yep. I even got my son to play it uh, early on, so they, they start to immerse themselves in that thinking uh, and gamify it. So it's a bit of fun at the same time. Uh, I, I want to switch now to the uh, advice arena. If you think back on your very long and diverse uh, property careers today, what's the both the worst and the best piece of investment advice that you've both ever received? Um, I think going back to our first property buy, house and land package is our worst. Yeah, definitely. Best advice, start early. Yeah. The earlier the start, the, the, the effect of compound, um, really understand that. And leverage and compound are your friends. If you, The earlier you start, the bigger it is. Yeah, beautifully said. Absolutely spot on. It's a cakewalk if you've got long enough. It's a it's a, a cliff climb if you leave it too late. There's no doubt about that. And uh, now, just to, to finalise the the ambush series, uh, what's a personal happy habit or rewarding ritual that you both employ that you think's contributed most to your investment success today? So I think one of mine is try to learn something different each day. It's gold. Yep. Anything to add to that one, Brian? Yeah, I've. It's a, it is a habit. It's a, it's a um, reset that I do daily. I walk six to eight k's, uh, regardless of where I am. And I'm fortunate enough to live on the surf coast. And most of the time, it's, uh, it's walking along the cliff tops down toward Bell's Beach. But what I've done with that is also that's my podcast time and my absorption time or listening. And um, you know, both of us get up early. We both go to the gym regularly. Um, 
it, it's those habits, the the patterns, the lifestyle um, that make the difference. It's about doing. Um, you know, Lisa's been away six weeks. There's no TV in the in the in the caravan. I think I turned ours on on Sunday night um, at home. It's it's about being active in everything that you do, and I think that's one of the keys to um, to anyone's success. Is is you can binge on Netflix, or you can get educated and start doing. Beautifully said, mate. Absolutely beautifully said. Look, uh, I really enjoyed uh, the conversations we've had today and in the previous episode. But if we were to uh, summarise everything we talked about and put a nice big bow around it, uh, what do you think of the the key takeaways and immediate actions that aspiring and, and existing property investors need to take? I think um, the main thing is is start doing something, even if it's something small, but start actually you know, taking that step forward, um, whether it's education or talking to somebody or finding out where your current circumstances is, whether it's even understanding your own budget, um, where some people probably don't even understand that. So, you know, start the process along the way now, um, even if you might not be ready for, you know, another year. I mean, this is one of the things we've started. Our 20-year-old came to us and said, how do I get into this property game? What do I what do I need to do to purchase a property? And for us who she's never had said that before, but obviously she has heard us talking and, you know, on podcasts or, you know, on webinars and that kind of thing. So it has sunk into her brain a little bit where she's now twenty going or she's now twenty one, but she was like, How do I how do I buy my first property? So to us that was goal because it was like, you know, She's wanting to start that journey now, um, you know, and we've gone through her a few steps to take. So, you know, I think start now, start even thinking about it now is a, is a good step. Beautifully said. Yeah, absolutely. Goal. Do, doing something is the key because that's the only way you're really going to learn. Uh, so love that. Uh, for those of us like myself and the audience who really resonated with what you've uh, shared with us uh, the last couple of episodes, um, how can listeners find out more and get more involved with you guys? Yep, so we've got our website, www.personalisedpropertyprofessionals.com. Um, they can email me on at alamine.au at gmail.com or even give me a phone call, 0411 Love the personalised approach there, guys, where someone can actually talk to you rather than send an email. Uh, just to sort of close out, on that, you very generously offered uh, a bit of a challenge to uh, the Get Invested audience uh, in the context that uh, you're going to offer them a, a complimentary uh, strategy discovery session for the best email response. Uh, so send an email to hello, that's H-E-L-L-O, at knowhowproperty.com.au uh, that answers the question, how does personalised property professionals differ from other buyers' agents? So uh, make sure you uh, take some action. Uh, as Lisa's just said, it's doing something that counts. So do yourself a favour, and I challenge you to actually jump on the keyboard and, and shoot an email through to us so that you can actually uh, either start your journey or improve uh, the performance of your portfolio by, have, by having a great chat with Lisa and Brian. So, again, guys, uh, really appreciative of all the wealth of wisdom and the generous time that you've spent with us on, on both of the episodes. So uh, thanks again, and let's keep the conversation going. Thanks, Bushy. Thanks, Bushy. Really enjoyed it. Terrific. Thanks for tuning in to Get Invested on the Property Hub podcast channel, your home for property investment insights and inspiration. And don't leave yet until you've taken the next step towards living by design. By getting my award-winning book, Get Invested, absolutely free when you sign up at knowhowproperty.com.au or bushymartin.com.au. And finally, make sure you subscribe to Property Hub to get your weekly dose of Get Invested inspiration along with every episode of Realty Talk, Australia's leading property show for red-hot property investing news and insights, direct from industry leaders and influencers. Remember to always get invested in your knowledge and I look forward to seeing you next time.